Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Sometimes it's really good for you to be alone. And sometimes he will show up gently in your life and know how to say that sweet word to you that you need to hear. And sometimes he might just show up and put you in a headlock. You don't know, but that's just, we don't think of him like that, but just kind of how he works. And sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we need that gentle, you know, hey, pat on the back. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Pastor James says, sometimes it's really good for you to be alone. And sometimes God will show up gently in your life. He'll know the sweet words you need to hear. And sometimes he'll show up and put you in a headlock. He wants to get your attention. One thing you need to know more than anything is that Jesus sees you. That is your real identity. His opinion far surpasses anyone's opinion of you. He loves you and wants to get you to a place that you ask yourself, who are you? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 32 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. see he's still plotting and scheming he is Jacob he is the heel catcher he's the deceiver he's always working the system how can I get out of this how can I get out of this and there, even in the presence of angels we we're, we've given we have no inclination at all that the angels have left there's there's nothing that says it says that they're there it doesn't say that they left, but he's not looking up anymore or wherever they may have been. He's looking inwardly now. He is totally self-absorbed upon himself, just focused on himself. What am I going to do to save my neck in this story? That's it. I don't want it to seem like I'm coming down too hard on Jacob. I find a lot of similarities between him and myself, if I'm honest. I do a lot of the same stuff. But here's where Jacob goes, verse 9. He is going to pray. Smart, pretty wise. Verse 9, it says, Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, um, Jesus, I just want to remind you of what you said to me, okay? This is your word, not my word. Who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. Man, what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful phrase within a prayer. Here he is. I mean, yeah, he is a selfish guy. We see that. We, but we're seeing some transformation happen within his life and all that good stuff. But man, just what a, what a beautiful little phrase within the prayer. And, and I would say underline that, highlight that. And incorporate that into your prayer life. Lord, I'm not worthy of your mercy. I'm not worthy of your grace, of all the truth which you have shown your servant. Lord, I'm not worthy of anything. 
I'm not worthy of it. But he, here he is. He's being broken down. Not totally, but he's, he's kind of being broken down by the Lord a little bit. He says, for I crossed this Jordan with my staff, and now I've become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. And again, here's the, it's the shell that's cracking, so to speak, right? This, this tough exterior that Jacob has through years of just, you know, all the stuff, He's developed this hard shell around him, and we're, we're beginning to see it crack a little bit through this prayer. This is just real simple, beautiful little prayer. For the first time, he's like honest. For the first time, he's honest. You can't really, Jacob's one of those guys where you're like, you don't, he's one of, you just don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to shake your hand because I don't know what I'm agreeing to. Like, I don't, what's the catch, right? That's, that's something you, you probably hear a lot with him or if you were overhearing conversations. Yeah, what's the catch? But here we see these, these, these cracks beginning to develop in this hardened exterior, and he, he finally comes out. He finally says something that's really truthful. Not that he hasn't been truthful at all in his life, but, but really between him and the Lord, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. How well we would do to own up to that at times in our lives. Lord, I'm scared. Lord, I'm afraid. I know you say multiple times, hundreds of times, the most common command throughout the scriptures is, do not be afraid. Lord, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to die. <laughs> I don't want to die at the hands of my brother. But your word says this. So help me, Lord. Help me. Give me what I need to overcome this fear. Because I got nothing left. And that's where Jacob's at. He's like, uh, what am I supposed to do? You told me to come back. And now I'm back. But now Esau's here. And I'm afraid. Just real honest. Real honest. And I, I love that. That is just incredible. He says, I'm afraid lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea. This is the promise that was given to him. It was the promise that was given to his dad. It was the promise that was given to his grandfather, Abraham. And he is going back to what the Lord has said. Let me tell you, if you are in a spot of fear, the best place for you to go to is back to what the Lord has already said in his word. There, I, people, you can surround yourself with people and there can be a good encouragement and all that stuff. But the thing you need the most is to go back into the word and what, Lord, what have you said? What have you said? And help me to get it past this thing in here and into my heart. What have you said? And that's what Jacob does. He says, Lord, you said this, you said this, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. And then he Look at that. He didn't even say amen. He ended as he didn't even say, no, you know, that's, that you can do that. That's, that's how you should end your prayers. But here he is, he's like, and he's praying, then prayer's over, verse 13. So what's he going to do? He's going to have a good night of rest. He's going to have, cook up a nice little dinner with his family, s'mores around the campfire and play games with the kids. And, you know, he's going to have a peaceful night of sleep and no, no worries, right? No, he's going to do what I do. Something happens in my life. Fear takes, takes root within my soul, and it's like, get worried and anxious and all that stuff. Eventually, I get to the point where it's like, okay, Lord, I just, I'm just going to you. I'm just, I can't do anything. I got to go to you. And I pray, and I have that moment. And then for whatever reason, I go back to that thing where I was at before, where it's like, okay, um, you know, Lord, thank you for that time, that sweet, intimate time. But uh, I got to get back to work planning. Um, so... I don't know why I do that. I, you, maybe you do that as well, but it's, it's really difficult. 
it really is difficult sometimes to trust the Lord. It just really is. If we're honest, is he trustworthy? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's difficult at times to trust him, if we're honest. Verse 13, so he lodged there that same night, took what came to his hand as a um, took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between uh, successive droves. Okay, he's like, so space these things out, right, is basically what he's saying. And he commanded the first one, saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and ask, uh, asks you, saying, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? Uh, whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who, and, and all who followed the drove, saying, in this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the presence that go before me, that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the presence went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. So here's what he's doing. He's got his plan. He's like, okay, what I need to do is this. Um, I'm just going to give him a bunch of stuff, okay? And he's v- being very generous with the things that he's giving him a lot of things. So he's, he's portioning these things out, and he's setting them up into basically three different kind of um, deliveries. So it's like Amazon, but old school, right? Like, it's going to show up at his, at his doorstep. But so it's like, one, you know, the first one, okay, hopefully that'll appease him. If not, I got the second one, then the third one. It, here's, here's the whole thing about this. Jacob should have been at the front of the line, Okay. The spiritual leader of his family. He's the, he's the spiritual head of his of this household, not just his household, but of the household that has been placed onto him. Now I know his dad's still alive, but this is where Jacob. This is his time to start stepping up and leading. But where do we find him? He's at the back. Why? So he can escape if need be. He should have been at the front. He should have. He should have just said, "You know what? You guys just hang out here." I'm going to go find my brother. I'm going to go find my brother. I'm going to tell him I'm sorry. That's what he should have done. But that's not always what we do. Because that's difficult too. It's difficult to trust the Lord. And it's really difficult to say sorry. It's hard. Those are hard things to do. Especially when you have issues of pride like Jacob has and like I have as well. But he sets it up. And he sends those guys out. So they don't even get rest, these servants of his. Now they got to drive all these like, different groups of animals to his brother, and they don't know. They're assuming, that, what, what, if, what if he wants to kill us? They have no idea what they're getting into. They, all they know is they're connected with Jacob, and Jacob and Esau are not getting along so well right now because Esau's coming with 400 soldiers, and Jacob is sending us out as the buffer. We could be on a death march in the middle of the night. So they, and they're off they go. And Jacob, he's going to lodge that night in the camp. And then here's where we get to this classic portion of the story, where there's Jacob. It's just basically Jacob, his two wives, and his children. Verse 22, and he rose that night and took his two wives, his two 
female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook and sent over, uh, he sent over what he had. Verse 24, then Jacob was left alone. Now, that's, that's sometimes the best place to be. Sometimes it's not good to be alone, right? It's not good for, you know, even God said that in the garden for Adam. I mean, he needed Eve. I mean, I think we understand that. Like, humanity needed Adam and Eve, okay? It wasn't just like, oh, God's like, I don't want him to get depressed if he's all by him. No, it's like, we, we need more humans. And so he, it's not good for him to be alone. And it's not at times good for us to be alone because the enemy sure knows how to get, take advantage of us when we're alone. But there are times where it is good for us to get alone with the Lord. So you're not technically alone. Jesus did this often in his ministry where he'd wake up really early and he'd go off by himself to spend time with the Father. Sometimes it's a really good thing for us to do, a good practice for us, is just to get alone with the Lord. Nothing with you. Leave, it, leave everything, these little handy-dandy devices, leave it somewhere else. Just take this thing with you. Just be alone with the Lord for, for just a second, for just a moment. Sometimes it's really good for you to be alone. And sometimes he will show up gently in your life and know how to say that sweet word to you that you need to hear. And sometimes he might just show up and put you in a headlock. You don't know, but that's just, we don't think of him like that, but just kind of how he works. And sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we need that gentle, you know, hey, pat on the back. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Sometimes we need, we need dad to show up and kind of wrestle with us in the living room floor and show us, yeah, you're really stronger than I am. Try as hard as I may. I can't beat you. Both lessons are really good. Both lessons are beneficial. So here he is, all alone, sends his wife and his kids over, because he's probably thinking, I have got to get some sleep. I've got to get some sleep. And his kids are not, they're not old. I mean, they're, some of them are probably starting, the oldest ones are probably starting to approach like the teenage years. And so you get that. And he's like, can you just take the kids somewhere else? Like, then there's young ones running around. Like, you guys just go over there. I got to get some rest. I need some rest. That was his plan. Jesus has other plans. He says, and a man, a man, I don't know about you, but um, New King James has that man capitalized capital M, M-A-N, that man. Uh, I do not believe this is an angel. I know a lot of commentators say this is an angel, but I know a lot of commentators that say, well, this is probably Jesus. There's a good chance that this is Jesus. I strongly believe that, oh, look at the ESV. Come on, guys. Um, I love the ESV translation, by the way. Uh, Lowercase m, it's okay. It's cool. Um, A man wrestled with him. How, why do I think that this is Jesus? Um, there's a lot to indicate within the story that I believe that this is Jesus, but my main thing, nobody else in Scripture shows up and gives people new identities except for Jesus. Read through the New Testament, read through the Gospels. You have this guy named Simon Peter. Jesus is like, oh, that's not your name anymore. There's this really bad guy named Saul, and he had this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus says, that's not your name anymore. You're not Saul. You're Paul. See, Jesus shows up, and he knows how to change people's, not just their names, but their characters that are associated with those names. Jacob was called Jacob because he was literally grabbing onto his brother's ankle as he was coming out of the womb. 
They're like, well, that one's really hairy, so we're going to call him Esau, because that's literally what Esau means is hairy. And that one is grabbing onto his leg. That's the heel catcher. That's the supplanter. That's Jacob. That's how his parents named him. But Jesus is the only one we see through Scripture showing up saying, like, no, that's not who you are. I'm giving you a new name. I'm giving you a new name. So that's why I believe this is Jesus. I I think this is a, uh, you know, Jesus showing up, and he does multiple times throughout the the Old Testament. Um, I believe we've already actually seen him, Genesis chapter 18, where he showed up at Abraham's tent with two other angels. I believe that that was Jesus talking to Abraham. The other two angels went on to Sodom. So here's this man, and he what? He wrestles with him. He wrestles. Listen, if you're in a high-stress situation, okay, the worst you can possibly imagine is happening in your life. The last thing you want, especially from a stranger, you don't know this guy, the last thing you want is for somebody to come up in the middle of the night where you're just trying to get some rest and for that guy to start wrestling with you. You're going to get mad, right? Like, that is the last thing. I don't even want my kids messing with me. I'm like, don't, don't even, no, give me some space, like, in those stressful situations. Now, all other times, I have no problems with my kids wanting to wrestle with me. But when, like, you know, when the tension's pretty high, things are looming, those clouds are hanging over your heads, you're like, just don't, nobody, nobody talk to me, please, no. And then this stranger shows up and puts him in a headlock, and he's like, are you kidding me? Like, what is going on? Now, he knows that this is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary man. But I just find it fascinating that Jesus is going to show up in Jacob's life on the worst night of his life, and he's just going to wrestle with him. And we would think, well, no, he doesn't need that. He doesn't need that, Jesus. What he needs is for you to tell him it's going to be okay. And Jesus would say to us, I've already told him it's going to be okay. I've already said that to him multiple times. What he needs is for me to wrestle with him. What he needs is for me to pound him a little bit. Because that's what love does sometimes. What he needs is for me to kind of show him that without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So he's wrestling. Fascinating. Jacob's wrestling back. He's wrestling back. Now, I don't want you to think, because I know sometimes when we read through this, it's like that somehow like Jacob's like winning. He's not. You know how it works. If you you had any memories of maybe it was a dad, maybe it was an uncle, maybe it was an older brother or something like that, somebody who far outmatched you in size and strength, you know it's just comical for them. It's that thing where they, you know, put their hand on the kid's head and the kid's just swinging wildly and you just got them out there and you're like, yeah, it's just, just a pathetic, right? Like, no chance. You got no chance. That's more likely what's happening here. There is a wrestling match, but at any point in time in this wrestling match, Jesus could have easily touched the hip, his hip socket at any point in time. Jacob may have appreciated it, and now he didn't want his hip being dislocated, but he probably would have, if he had been given the choice, he probably would have chosen it at the very beginning so he wouldn't have to spend all night wrestling, but he wouldn't have learned the lesson. He wouldn't have learned the lesson that Jesus needed him to get. So the wrestling until the breaking of day, all night long until the breaking of day, verse 25, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, that this man, Jacob, is so 
stubborn. And he doesn't know the word quit. That's good and bad at the same time. That's good and bad. Okay? That's that, you know, that pit bull kind of mentality where like you latch onto something and you're not going to let go. And that could be a good thing and, and that could end up killing you in the end. Jacob is like latched on and I'm not letting go. So as the day, the sun is starting to come up, Jacob's just not, he's not getting it. He's still wrestling with him. And it says he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, please understand, it wasn't as if he touched his hip, went out of socket, and then Jacob's like, okay, I quit. You hurt me. I quit. Jacob is still wrestling. Have you ever dislocated anything? It's not fun. It is not pleasant. And especially your hip. This dude is still fighting. But this is the lesson that Jesus is trying to, trying to teach to him and trying to get him to kind of get a, a, a more of like the Lord's view on Jacob. Like, Jacob, you're a good guy, but man, you don't know when to quit. You don't know when to quit. You think this is all you. You think that the promise being fulfilled is totally dependent upon you. Jacob, it's not you. I'm going to use you, but I'm going to be the source of strength in it. I'm going to be the one who makes it happen. I will use you and work in and through you, but it's not you. It's not the vessel. It's the one who's using the vessel. But Jacob is so determined. I will not, I'm not going to give up. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he, Jacob, says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's his deal with blessings? I mean, come on, like, he's, I don't, this guy's like hung up on blessings. I don't know what it is, but he's willing to lie to his dad to get a blessing. You remember that story. We went through that where he, I mean, they even skinned a goat and put goat skin on his arms and on his neck so that he can trick his dad into, that's how hairy his brother was, that he was Esau. He was willing to lie to his dad to steal a blessing. And now he's holding on to, to this man, to Jesus, saying, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. My, I can't use my leg. My hip's busted, but I will not let you go until you bless me. So determined. So determined. But he's now broken. And we know, and it, uh, we know if you continue to read through the, as maybe you're doing this, you're reading through the Word uh, for 2019. I highly encourage you to do that. Through the Minor Prophets, you're going to come across this reference to this where it, it lets us know that Jacob at this point in time is not like, like, uh-uh, nope, not letting you go, not till you bless me. No, he is absolutely, completely broken at this moment in time. He's weeping. He's crying. He is completely broken, exactly where Jesus needed him to be. And he's saying, I, I got nothing left. You took the one thing away from me that has saved me my whole life, my ability to run, you took that from me. And I can't let you leave me with nothing. Please leave me with something, is what he's saying. Broken. Exactly where Jesus needed him to be. Broken. Genesis is the beginning of it all. Not just the Bible, but life as a whole. 
God detailed his creation story in the first few chapters of this book, and then went on to reveal his power and glory in the following pages. We learn who he is through this book, what's important to him, and how he expects us to follow him. We're so glad you tuned in today for Bread for the Broken to learn from Genesis, and we hope you'll return for our next edition. If you'd like to listen to other messages from this series, visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd also like to invite you to come meet us in person at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. to spend time worshiping God, reading verse by verse through the Bible, and getting to know each other better. When you visit, be sure to find Pastor James and shake his hand. Let him know that you heard him right here on Bread for the Broken. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask for your help. Would you partner with us in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry, and in a way, a mission field. We're reaching people for Jesus through a different kind of medium. And therefore, we need to make sure Jesus is our focus. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team that puts Bread for the Broken together? Pray that we'd all keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Thanks for lifting us up in prayer before the Lord. Know that we too are praying for you each day. And thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' message on Bread for the Broken. We pray that you find hope and new life in Jesus. Let me paint the picture of you.